So a couple weeks ago, we started this new series called Lent, A Journey Towards the Waters. And, um, and today we're going to talk about the second one, which is faith. So last week we started with repentance. We talked about repentance. And now we're going to talk about faith. And uh, thank you, Genesis, for reading the scripture for us this morning. And um, as you know, um, so we started this new series. And um, traditionally, though, Christians have gotten baptized on Easter Day. Easter Day is Resurrection Sunday, which happens on the beginning of April this year. And undergoing, uh, uh, these Christians uh, did uh, undergo um, a series of preparations during the Lenten season. Uh, so that their hearts may be ready for the waters of baptism on Easter day. So in baptism, we die to self. And sin with Christ in his crucifixion, that's into the waters. And resurrect into new life in his resurrection up from the waters. Either if you have gone through baptism or are considering taking this step of obedience as a follower of Jesus, I invite you to reflect this Lenten season on the journey towards the waters. And this Lenten season, um, as I said, uh, there is traditionally an invitation to reflect on our mortality and sinful nature. And those are the 40 days not counting weekends before Easter Sunday before um, uh, Resurrection Sunday. And, uh, and it's a time where traditionally the church, uh, the Christian church has reflected on mortality, on death, and on the, uh, on the nature of sin and evil within one's heart and within our community. And, 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 and then we become aware through this of our need of Jesus. And through this teaching series, we will be focusing on different biblical themes related to the journey to the waters of baptism and its importance as a sacrament within the Christian church. So these are repentance, which we looked at last week. And you're welcome to go into the resources of our website or to our Spotify or, or uh, podcast um, and, and on Apple Music. We have the sermons there. Um, if you want to uh, look at that first sermon. And, we, and then today we're going to talk about faith or belief. And then next week uh, we're going to talk about newness, then unity. And then finally uh, on the fifth week we're going to talk about life. And how all of these themes as I was reading different passages throughout the New Testament are related to the waters of baptism. But... Um, uh, and this applies for all of us, whether or not uh, we, we do not know Jesus yet. We are still on this faith journey trying to figure out, okay, uh, should I take the step of faith and believe what Jesus said of himself, that he came and died and resurrected for me and the world. And, and if you have done that, taken that step, but you haven't taken the step of baptism, it also applies to you because it's an ordinance, as we saw last week. Uh, we talked about what baptism was and what, how repentance has to do with baptism. But we talked about the importance of, it's an act of obedience. It's an outward sign of an inner change, right? And it also applies for those that 
that have already been baptized to remember on what it means to be on the waters of baptism and what does that represent and how God wants us to continue to come back to the waters of Jesus that refreshes us, that, that also renew us. You know, even if we don't if we don't have to do it outwardly, obviously, because we were already baptized, but doing it on a daily basis, coming back to Jesus, but also being refilled and being baptized in fire. That means the Holy Spirit. And that's very important for us to remember. So today we're going to talk, though, about that second thing, which is faith or belief. But what exactly is faith? Right? Yes, that's a beautiful scenery right there. Uh, who wants to be like on a nice beach um, nowadays with the cold weather outside? That was me talking to Anja. We should go to the Caribbean. So, well, we can. We have two little kids and too expensive to fly out of New York, anyways. Um, but, anyways, um, it, would be, it would be lovely to have like nice beach all, all year long. We can. Get people baptized, right? Kind of cool, right? Uh, yeah, well, we're not in Florida, right? Um, but New York City, come on. You can say, I got baptized in New York City. Look at that. Oh, it's kind of cool, huh? All right, so um, what is exactly faith and belief? So faith, if you look on uh, Google and, or you go to Merriam-Webster or whatever else, you'll find something like this. This is the first thing that comes up. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And then believe on a similar fashion, uh, it's these two things. It's first, it's an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. And it also is trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. So belief kind of has like a, a, a twofold definition. The first one is an intellectual affirmation of something. And the second one is a, a holistic affirmation. And that's what we call trust. It's not just intellectual affirmation, but it's emotional and physical, right? So, as we can see on these definitions, to have faith is not just an intellectual acceptance, but it rather is a holistic, integral, or like in Espanol decimos integral, right? It's, it's whole, right? Um, actually, in Spanish, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, the bread, the, the whole, uh, whole bread, whole wheat bread? So, we call it uh, pan integral, it's like... It's like whole, like integral. It's all together. It's whole, holistic, right? So it's a holistic acceptance which requires action. It requires action. That holistic acceptance with our minds, not just our minds, but also our souls and, and our bodies. Uh, and that's called trust. That's called confidence, right? If you trust someone, you take an action usually. It's not like you just intellectually trust someone, right? You kind of have to do some sort of action, you know. In a relationship, you have to say yes to become a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You have to say yes and go into coffee places to meet each other, right? Or talk to each other. It requires action. It's not like, oh, yeah, I trust that person, though I never talk to that person. It's kind of weird, right? Um, 
That that's just an intellectual affirmation. It's not a holistic affirmation, which is, includes an action. Love is an action. Faith is also an action. So, if you think about it, we have faith in many things in our daily lives. For example, we have faith, we trust that the subway will take us from point A to point B, though sometimes it gets delayed and sometimes we get stuck in between stops for like an hour to two hours. But guess what? Somehow it gets to point B, right? And if it didn't get to point B, the bus will take you, your feet will take you, right? But usually, most of the time, it will, otherwise people wouldn't be taking it, right? Otherwise, subways wouldn't be full. But it's, they're quite full all the time. Why? Because they trust the subway in the sense that they will take you from point A to point B, right? But also as a pedestrian, as, as we cross the street, we trust that the car will not hit us and hurt us. Hopefully, if it's red and then it's green for the pedestrian, you will cross. You trust that somehow the person on the, dri- on the wheel drive, right, is not going to press accelerate and just hit you and like, you know, you trust. You have faith. So, or maybe as you, uh, as we accept a job offer that at the end of the month, right, we will indeed get paid. Hopefully, you trust as you get that job that at the end of the month or after two weeks, you're going to get paid, you know. Right, you're trusting. And, 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 um, and, and also faith is trusting holistically. It's an action. For example, think of the chair you're currently sitting on. Just think about that. You trust that somehow it will hold you up and that it won't break. Hence, you sit on it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't. But you sit on it because you trust that it will hold you. So, though an imperfect example, as chairs can be, right? Um, So, it is when we trust in Jesus. So, it is when we trust in Jesus. Once we have turned around, remember last week we talked about repentance. Once we've turned around in 180 degrees... In repentance, moving away from what we embrace in our sinful and evil nature, and we turn around 180 degrees, right? In repentance, then we move towards Him and allow ourselves to walk forward in the ways of Jesus. Turning, trusting somehow that His ways are better than our own, and even when we fall as we walk, that we fall safely in His hands. That's what we turn around, we trust. It's, 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 there's a level of trusting the way of Jesus, on trusting Him guiding you, right? So just as we repented, so then we believe in faith. And, and so that holistic action of trust, just as this passage indicates, starts with being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. An outward expression of trust from an inward transformation, from an inward change. So you repent, that's the first step, right? You believe in Jesus, and then in trust, you get baptized as an outward sign of an inward change. So now let's explore uh, deeper in the relationship between belief and baptism found in this passage. 
we'll see that the word belief or an iteration of it is mentioned three times in this passage that Genesis read for us. And the word baptism um, is mentioned, uh, and the word baptism, so the birth belief is mentioned three times in, all, in different iterations. And the word baptism, or an iteration of it, is mentioned five times in this passage. Five, that's a lot. While the word repentance, guess what? It's mentioned once. So we got repentance, we got faith, and we got baptism all meshed together in this passage. Very interesting. So first, on verses 1 through 5, we see that there is a repentance and a belief. First, verses 1 through 5, repent and believe. So here we observe how Paul approaches those that are called disciples. If we read here, it says, And it happened while Apollos at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He says that he found disciples. What are disciples? People that follow Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. And, and he said to them, Do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Do you receive the Holy Spirit? You know, that's the, the baptism of fire that we talked about last week. And then they said, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. And, 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 and he said, Into what then were you baptized? Because you're clearly disciples of Jesus. But what are you believing? And they said, into John's baptism. Guess what? Last week we talked about John's baptism, right? I'm, I'm kind of luring, luring, luring you to like, listen to the last week's sermon if you haven't. Uh, but but that, that's, they were baptized into John's baptism. And then Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. Telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. And Paul said... Um, and then on hearing this, these disciples were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, um, as we see here, um, we see that uh, he approached the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus. And then um, what happened here is that, and, and this is sort of a, uh, What's going on? Why they were baptized on John baptism, but then they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why did they get baptized twice in the waters? Why? Because when John was baptizing, Jesus has not yet fulfilled his mission. Because he was the one that was coming after him. And if John baptized them, as we know, obviously, historically speaking, John died while Jesus was still alive. Right? Jesus was still alive when John died. Right? He was one of the first martyrs, pretty much. If not the first one, before Jesus fulfilled his purpose. So then they were baptized into looking forward for the day when Jesus was going to die and resurrect. But when they were baptized, Jesus hasn't fulfilled his mission. Right? That's why they had to be baptized twice. Because they were baptized once, looking forward to when Jesus was going to die on the cross and resurrect to bring forth that promise that John was talking about. But now that has been fulfilled. So Paul is like, let's just baptize you now in the name of the Lord Jesus who already died for you. And already resurrected on the cross. So this is, a t a, 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 this is just timing. That's all it is. There is a timeline here. Right? So these people were baptized before Jesus went to the cross. And were, were baptized now in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now in this portion of the passage, the word believe is mentioned twice 
Asking them if they have received, or that means being immersed or filled, by the Holy Spirit when they believed. And, and now notice how Paul asked them in past tense. Meaning they have already believed. It's not like they're just kind of thinking about Jesus and repent. They've already repented. They've already believed. They've already discipled. Right? And, and so hence they're called disciples by the writer of, the, of, of, of Acts, which is Luke. Then these disciples answered that they have not received the Holy Spirit and have actually never heard of it. Since they were baptized by the baptism of John, which we looked at at last week's passage, right? So, so then, um, then he clarifies about uh, the one who comes after. And, and then we see on verse 5, how they are immediately baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus without hesitation. So here we see how repentance interacts with belief. With repentance, our hearts first are broken. Because we see first, like, like oh yeah, 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 you were baptized with the baptism of repentance of John, Paul clarifies, you know, he clarifies kind of like what's going on there. So we see that first repentance comes to, to break the heart. And just as these disciples were when they heard from John the Baptist, or like the new believers, if you go to Acts 2, were after, were broken, here in Peter's message, it says that their hearts were cut and they repented. And then in faith, they not only within their hearts and their mouths believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives first, but also in holistic trust, they take an hour action of faith by going into the waters of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see first on verses 1 through 5, how the Holy Spirit brings conviction to the heart, which in turn brings repentance and a 180 degrees uh, transformation, which in turn takes us to entrust ourselves to Jesus. Christ as our Lord and Savior. This trust is all, not only intellectual, but holistic. Which in turn takes us to take an upward step of faith. Of immersing ourselves into the waters of baptism as an act of faith and obedience. Just as we trust this church to support us not to fall, so we trust in Jesus to sustain us. But not just as we see it, like when we use this chair, but in every area of our individual and communal lives. So we see that conviction brings repentance, which in turn brings trust, a holistic trust, which obviously brings an action. In this, in this case, if you are being convicted by the Spirit, you have a choice to either believe or not. Now, if you take the choice of believing, then you repent. You turn around, look 180 degrees to the other side, then you trust that which you believe, which makes, means you take an action. And obviously there's multiple types of actions that you, that you can take, like loving your neighbor and all kinds of things. But obviously we see baptism as a very obvious sacrament or ordinance, which means that it's a commandment from Jesus for all believers. Right? Now, you know, there's specific things that he sends to people to different places, but not everyone goes to the same place. Not everyone's called to love people the same way because we are limited human beings. But guess what? We're all called to be baptized. 
This is one of those things that we see believers being baptized. In, by the waters, by the fire. So then, uh, on verses 6 through 7, is, we see that there is a filling and an entrustment that goes on. Now, in verse 6 to 7, it says, um, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, which 12 is like the number of discipleship here. So, in these verses, we see something very peculiar happening. It is not just that, that we have put our faith or our belief our trust in Jesus. But we see how the triune God had somehow put his trust in humanity. Both communally and individually. In these verses, we see how Paul lays hands on those that were just baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden, they, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them, it says on verse 6. The Holy Spirit now takes an action of trust, where in His grace, He mysteriously comes upon those that believe. Hence, the relationship there is between the humanity and the divine, it is that of a relationship of mutual trust. Though we as humans are the lesser vessel, obviously. We're not equal to the divine, right? But somehow even then, the Lord still desires to be in relationship with us. Even then. So they're filled and then they are entrusted. Meaning that somehow God entrusts the people with His Spirit. That means that he trusts the people that believed in him. There is a mutual trust that comes forth. Now think about that. When, uh, it's not that you're just kind of like, all right, I'm a Christian. Cool. You know, it's someone trusting you with, with his very spirit to move forward in your vision, in the vision God has given, the purpose God has given you. To give you that joy, that peace that He can only give. And you cannot sustain it for yourself. And hence, it just overflows to other people. He trusts you. One of my mentors reminds me all the time. Do you know Jesus trusts you? I'm like, well, I trust Him a lot. He tells me and reminds me. I think God wants you to know that He trusts you. He trusts you in such a way that He became human, died on the cross, resurrected on the third day so that He can have a relationship with you. He didn't have to, but He still did it. So, on verses 8 through 10, right? we saw, we saw in verses uh, um, 1 through 5 that there is a repentance, there is a belief. Then, that belief brought to action of baptism, which brought him to be filled. And then that filling of the Spirit is an entrustment of God. As we trust Him, so, we trust, so He trusts us. But, 
In verse 8 through 10, we see the third time where the word belief is on this passage. It's an iteration of belief. And it says, and he entered the synagogue, that's Paul, he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued, and that's the third iteration, in unbelief, and belief and faith and continuing unbelief speaking evil of the way the way was the first one of the first times in which Christians were referred Christians were not referred as first as Christians they were referred as first at first as ESL guys English is second language alright they referred right to this movement of people as a way, right? The way, because they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The, the, yeah, they are the way people that believe that Jesus is the actual Messiah that was to come to rescue the world. And they were persecuted and killed and all that kind of stuff because they were countercultural. So they were speaking evil of the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them, that's Paul, and took the disciples, those that he just bought, he took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, some other hall elsewhere. And this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. That means Jews and everyone else that can receive the word. The residents of Asia, that's Asia Minor. Um... So what happened here? This is unbelief to the way. Unbelief to the way, verses 8 through 10. In this part of the passage, we see for the third time an iteration of the word belief. But this time he's talking about those that have unbelief on the good news. The gospel of Christ that were proclaimed by the apostle Paul. And it explicitly said that some, quote, became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. Unquote here from scripture that we just read. There is clearly no middle ground. There is clearly no middle ground. We wish New York City, the city of middle ground, right? The city of relative truth. The city that says, you're a Christian. All right, cool. Even though a lot of people, you're a Christian, you probably hate people. And you have issues. But I mean, if that's what you believe and makes you happy, sure, that's your truth. I have my truth. Everyone has their own truth, right? That wasn't different back then either. There were people that have their own ways of thinking and gods and religions. But here we see that, that there is no middle ground. This is a great example of the opposite happening to those that had unbelief rather than belief. So, so first, we see how there was stubbornness. In verse 9, the first thing that happens after the proclamation of the gospel. And let me tell you, some of us are part of this group right here, right now. I was at some point as in my early years too. I was stubborn to the word of God. But that's a stubborn. That's 
one of the first um, signs here. First, we see how there was stubbornness in, in, in verse 9, became stubborn, rather than conviction. Their hearts continue to be hardened rather than softened. We see that there is no middle ground. Hearts are either softened towards the truth of the gospel in conviction, and that happens, you know, progressively, or hardened progressively farther away from the gospel in stubbornness. Second, the writer, on the second part of verse 9, it says, and quote, and continued in unbelief, unquote. As they ignore the words of the gospel, then they continued in unbelief, just as conviction brings someone to repent and believe. So ignoring the gospel will take someone to become stubborn and consequently continue and have unbelief. And finally, we see that those that were in unbelief took action, just as those that were in unbelief took action. It happens both ways. Either if you go on the path of belief or unbelief, there's going to be a certain action that will follow that. We see that those that were in unbelief took action, and he says, quote, speaking evil of the way, verse 9, unquote. So just as those that believe in conviction took an hour action of baptism to follow Jesus, so those in unbelief took the action to speak evil of the way and follow their own selfish ways. Here you go. Remember the first one? Here you go. I should have put both at the same time. Conviction, repentance, trust, and action, right? For the ones that believe they are convicted, they repent, their hearts are broken, then there is a trust that brings forth action. That's the first half of the passage. But then, in unbelief, you ignore that rather than being convicted, right? Then you become stubborn rather than what? Do you remember? Rather than repent. Thanks, because I forgot. Just was around. So stop, you, you become, you repent, right? If you, if, you, if you believe, if you, if you get convicted by the Spirit, there's a repentance. There's like, like your, your heart just like melts and is broken, right? And then you repent. Then, then you ignore, you become stubborn, hard-headed, rather than softened. And then what happens on the other one? If you be, then you believe or you have faith. Here you have unbelief or unfaith or untrust. You don't trust this anymore. I don't trust in this Jesus. I don't trust in these Christians. I don't trust in this whole Jesus thing. You know, you have unbelief. And that will take you to go into taking actions of selfish ambition. Because as Christians, we believe that if we don't have God, even if you help people, you help people as a way of self-therapeutic. Self Thing. You know, you do things so you can feel good about yourself. That's, that's the thing with humanism is like, I'm going to go somewhere else and help other people. But then you end up helping other people so that you can feel good about that you're doing something good to someone else. So at the end of the day, it goes out and then goes back to you. But as a Christian, it doesn't go back to you. It goes back to somebody else out there that died for you. Right? 
So that's we'll take into an In this case, the action what was it to speak evil, right? To the point that Paul had to leave. Paul was very bold, very brave. I mean, for him to leave, it was bad. It was bad. They're speaking bad stuff. You know, he just left. I'm like, I'm done with this. People, they are stubborn. They are taking even action, right? So we see how there is no middle ground between belief and unbelief. And how in both cases there are actions taken in opposite directions. God does not give a choice to a neutral position. We see that very well in Scripture. You remember, for those that have read a little bit of Scripture, you, you know the Scripture that says that He will vomit the lukewarm, right? Lukewarm meaning not warm, not cold, right? Kind of in the middle. He, he can say, I'd rather you be cold than be lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, He wants hot people, warm people. You know, so there is either cold or hot, not just lukewarm. Also, notice how early on in Christianity, Christ or early Christians were not called Christians, but rather they were called the way. They believe that God has chosen Jesus to be the way to the Father. He even declares on, on Gospel of John, verses chapter fourteen, verses six, verse six. He says, "Quote," and Jesus speaking here, he says, "I am the way." The truth and the life. Nobody comes to me except nobody comes to the Father, to God, except through me. He's the way to God. So today we have seen how belief, how faith and baptism are related to one another. We learn that when we believe, we also trust. Holistically, not just intellectually. Just as we trust the very chair that you're sitting on. So we trust our lives to Jesus Christ. We saw how in the early church, that trust was proven through holistic actions. And not just intellectual agreement. That trusting will take the believer to show an outward sign of an inward reality. And that action step of commitment was by going through the water of baptism, in this case, in every case. So now, to finish up, I want to show you something here. Oh yeah, that's me and Andrea when we got married. So, and the other ones, I don't know, by the way, the people. Just, just uh, looked it up on Google. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the other people, all right? So, um, well, I know the bottom right, they're from our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance in, uh, in Africa. So, I just love the picture because the kid's like, yeah, come on, I just got baptized. He's so excited. Um, but but the, think for a second on marriage, okay? Think of a second on a marriage. Now marriage is it it crosses culture, even religion. It's something that you find everywhere pretty much in societies around the world when a man commits to a woman, there is a sort of ritual, right? A sort of uh, wedding feast. And and it varies and some can last 
weeks, some can, which usually people in the global south, sometimes it can last months, you know. People in the Western world, just about a half day, but there it is, right? <laughs> There's still the ritual right there, you know. There is a ritual no matter where you go about this unity, about the unity in marriage. So two people that trust each other and are willing to spend the rest of their lives together in communion do not simply come together one day and intellectually agree to be together for the rest of their lives. I mean, I haven't seen that, right? So, so it's not like, you know, I, I went to Andrea one day, he's like, do you trust me? Yes, I trust you, yeah. Can we be united now? All right, let's go. Yeah, you're not going to talk to your dad, your aunt. I mean, no, 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 no. That's an intellectual agreement right here, my friends, right? This is all we need, not nothing else. Then you're going to talk to your mom, your dad, about you're going to meet them. No, 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 just intellectual agreement. Never, you know, that's not true. That's not reality, right? There, there needs, it's just not intellectual agreement. There is, needs to be an hour sign, a ritual, a, a, uh, a sacrament, an ordinance, right? Um, from God. Marriage, it is an ordinance from God. It is ordained by God. That's why in the, in the church we believe that if two people are going to be committed for the rest of their lives, they, get, they have to get married, right? It's, it's a, it's, there is a, the outward sign of an inward reality, right? There you go. But then we have baptism over here, and then we have marriage over there, right? And then... Um, so, so, so rather, as you know, there needs to be an hour sign of their trust by having a wedding ceremony, a sort of physical symbol that signifies their union. There is a, a symbol, depends on the culture, but, you know, I have a ring right here. It symbolizes that I'm married to Andrea, right? So, so then this ring is, is an outward expression that I'm in union to Andrea, right, in marriage, by God, Right? So, so th- there is a signing of documents. You have to sign a document when you get married, right? All that kind of stuff. And then there, there are witnesses from both sides that usually sign the documents. Sometimes it's a pastor, the priest, sometimes it's a friend, whatever. But some peop- someone signs as a witness of what just happened, you know. In the, anyway, pretty much, I've seen this whole signing thing of people witnessing something and they signing something. Right? As a witness of the union. And, 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 and then they come together to celebrate such union. There is, there is celebration. There is joy on the union and dancing. And, you know, I think even in the Western world, well, obviously in the global south, but there is dancing, you know. There is dancing afterwards. People are dancing, celebrating, having fun because it's a joyful moment. Right? And if that is the case for a couple, why it wouldn't be a similar or even greater, in a greater fashion, between us and the Lord? Why? Well, that, that, that is baptism. I know sometimes we can undervalue baptism, but baptism, it's, it's a place where, where roses are brought and friends come and family members are invited to this event. It's not like, I'm just going to come and do this. 
No, there, there is celebration afterwards. There is food. There is maybe dancing. Who knows? We can have dancing here. We don't mind. So, you know, like, it is a celebration. It is a place where people are invited. Family members come, you know. And from different places, just to, even if they don't believe in Jesus because they respect and love their family member, they will come and, and, and sort of celebrate, you know. And if they're not there, they will make sure that, uh, you know, that maybe, you know, they, they look on Zoom or whatever, you know, or something. But there is some sort of celebration in community, right? But also, uh, there is an outward sign, that outward sign is immersion of water coming out. Right? So, so, so this our sign, it's, it's, it's of, a, of a trust, of a belief in Him, where we take a holistic step of trust, where we show our commitment, a.k.a. our trust, and publicly declare such belief. And so, as it is for marriage, so it is with baptism. Right? It's an outward sign. And for those that have been baptized... Just as Andrea and I are already married, it's not like we have a wedding every day. But we hope somehow in that representation of joy and union to respect and to love each other sacrificially and that love throughout the marriage. Because the marriage, guess what, is not just a wedding ceremony. It's until, until die, do us a part and all that stuff, right? So it is with baptism. If you've been baptized, look back And how can you continue on that joy, on that love, on that union, on that declaration of that outward sign of an inward change? So if we reflect, so let's reflect here now. So so as I put the reflection, this... um, I just want you to reflect on, on these uh, uh, three questions. So if you are a non-Christian, um, which of the two groups on this passage you feel most identified with? The one that is heading towards conviction or the one that is heading towards being, becoming stubborn, right? As I said, there is not that kind of middle ground. It's either your, car, your heart is becoming softer and softer or harder and harder. So just check your heart. Do you sense you're moving towards stubbornness and hardening of the heart? Or perhaps towards conviction and a softening of the heart? As someone that have not yet believed, crossed the line and repented... You might be on that conviction, but you haven't fully, your heart haven't been broken enough, broken enough that you're willing to sacrifice whatever around you, you know, to believe. Why? Because it's understandable in a way that we want to please the culture around us. We are afraid that our coworkers or people might think of us as Christians or even family members. What they might think about me being a Jesus follower. Sometimes we think that becoming a Christian means disrespecting or living our, the culture that we come from. But the reality is that it's not that you're living the, where you, the culture that you come from. It is empowering the culture that you come from. It is redeeming the culture that you come from. Because there are good things about where you come from. 
There are things to celebrate about where you come from. There are things that are valuable from where your family is, your parents, your grandparents. But then there are things you know that they're wrong and they're perpetuated. And that's when Jesus comes and redeems those things. And you can become a light to your family, to the people around you, no matter where you come. As you know, Christianity comes from a Jewish religion. It, it is... It, 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 is a, it is Hebraic. It, it has its roots. Jesus was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. You know? So it is just a transformation of, of even, even them bringing that to non-Jews. Bringing the good news to those that don't look like them. Because Jesus came to save the Jews, but also to save those that are not like him. Well, guess what? You might come from a Hindu background, from a Jewish background, but you don't have to leave the good things that come from them. There are things you might have to neglect, but there are things you can still hold on to your heart and be a part of. I, I don't know. I, I have friends, though, and this is a great example. I have friends that are Jews but love Jesus. And they speak Hebrew. And they, and they do all of the things. I don't know them because I'm not a Jew, but they are. And they follow everything, not out of a place of, of a duty, but out of a place of joy of who they are. But they just have Jesus as the Messiah. They believe in Jesus as the Messiah. That's the only difference. Sadly, from most of the Jewish community, they might not be Jewish enough, even though they look Jewish in every single area of their lives. But, but, but they, they, they are mis- that's what people call Messianic Jews. People that, that are Jews, they haven't lived their Jewishness, but they just believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so it is from wherever you come from. There are things that need to be redeemed. Even if you come from a Christian family or Christian background, there's baggage there that needs to be redeemed by the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom, heavenly kingdom, penetrating earthly kingdom, right? So if a non-Christian, which of the two groups on this passage, conviction, uh, you are most identified with? Now, if you're a Christian but not baptized, is there something that might be preventing you to fully trust Jesus and the gospel? Will you be willing to let it go like the disciples of this passage and believe to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? What is preventing you? It did not prevent anything of these disciples. They were so sure of all. You just went into the waters. And if you're a Christian, what other holistic action steps besides baptism might the Holy Spirit want you to take in the next days? What, what is it to, to bring in remembrance of that which you've been baptized? So let's just um, now transition to a time of prayer.